Mega Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the editor-in-chief of the journal. And it's that time of year again when we celebrate the ongoing progress in our field by producing the annual State of the Science issue. This year's issue has the theme of technology and sustainability, and more broadly described as embracing the future, thinking about how things are moving forward. And I'm going to take the opportunity as a result to speak with Vilma Johnson, who is a resident in gynecology and obstetrics in Malma. And we'll be discussing some of the research that she did for her PhD through Riggs Hospitalet in Copenhagen, Denmark. The title of the paper is Validity Evidence Supporting Clinical Skills Assessment by AI Compared with Trained Clinician Raters. Vilma, I know you've just come off the ward, so thanks for rushing to this conversation. I'm sure it's been a very busy day. Thanks for having me. <laughs> really glad to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, and then congratulations, I guess I should say, on your PhD. This paper is a part of that, I understand. And so maybe I can just ask you to give a quick summary of what the overall thesis was for your dissertation work. Oh, yes. My PhD project was about training and assessment of invasive fetal medicine procedures. And this paper was part of that, investigating how we should right. assess skills. Right, in the domain. And artificial intelligence mm-hmm. is not something that one typically learns in medical school, but maybe that's coming as well. So what drove your interest in that direction? Well, I worked closely together with an engineer. We developed a simulator for my thesis. And then he has worked a lot with AI before. And we started to talk. And my principal supervisor, at the time when I started my thesis, AI was a really hot topic. It still is a hot topic. But at that time, you could just say AI. And everyone instantly thought it was something good. The picture has become a little bit more nuanced now. But at that point everyone was just yes AI the more the merrier and then we started to discuss what are actually the limitations because there were no studies that actually compared AI for example clinical expert-based assessment most papers actually just stated that it worked rather than justifying why it worked Mm. That was the background, and that was the way in. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, and, yeah. and I should get you to clarify what you mean by AI in the context of this particular project, because it means so many different things in so many different places. And as you said, so many different people have such mm-hmm. diverse reactions to it. Um, mm-hmm. How does one establish an artificial intelligence system that, that could even conceivably evaluate the real performance? Yeah, and AI is a really wide concept. We have used methods within machine learning, but it's a lot wider AI. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. You really have to define what type of AI you are talking about, because some machine learning models have been around for a long time, such as principal component analysis, for example. And the K-means grouping has been used longer, but those convolutional neural networks that we used for our models are a little bit more new. The development of those methods have increased the past years, especially with the image recognition part. And that was the part we were interested in. Mm. And so for this particular study, you fed videos or images into the system? 
So since my background is from the obstetric, we use a lot of ultrasound and quite instinctively that maybe a machine could actually learn to recognize these images and identify. I mean, could the machine do it better than the human? But it has been difficult to do that. So we try to see how we could use AI to analyze those images. And eye tracking that was also used in our model has also been around to see where the attention of the participant is. Is it on the screen or is it somewhere else in the room? So what did you actually feed into the system to train it to have the potential to assess the actual clinical skills that were demonstrated? Yeah, so first we had to define what clinical skills were to be assessed. And to do that, we conducted a healthy study where with our specific procedure, we got the definition of all the skills. And then we had to see what can the AI do out of this? Because there are a lot of skills that an AI can't perform, not yet. And there are many skills that would require a lot of data to be able to make a conclusion from AI. So we narrowed it down to five items that could be included in the model based on feasibility, I would say. Yeah. And that was mainly based on ultrasound because there you have images and we have previous data where we have analyzed images with AI, pattern recognition. And what were the five things that you just alluded to? Yeah, so the five things was if the... Since this was an invasive procedure where a needle was stuck into a model and we could see the needle on ultrasound, one item was, is the needle in the image or not? Because if you can't see the needle, it would be dangerous. It could cause harm. So that was quite simple. Needle in the image, needle not in the image. Uh And if you don't look at the ultrasound screen while you conduct the procedure, then you're actually conducting the procedure blind. Can you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because with ultrasound, if you don't look at the screen, then you're actually not following. So do you look on the ultrasound screen or not? That was one item. And then we look at some technical aspect, the grip of the instrument, where we could predefine correct and incorrect grip. And the fourth item was about the insertion into the placenta. And this is very specific for this procedure, but it was an item that defined if there was a safe insertion or if it was a dangerous insertion. And then the last one was actually time. It was calculated through our model that we had built, but it was not so much an AI item as such. Okay. So you Mm -hmm. actually have a set of videos then and you ran them past both experts and the AI system to get judgments of performance. And how did that actual scoring take place? Exactly. So what we did was that we invited 45 participants and there were experts, novices and intermediates. And then we asked them to conduct two of these procedures on our model. And we conducted video recordings of their hand movements. We collected ultrasound output and we also had a camera on top of the ultrasound screen to be able to see where they were looking. And how was the scoring done then? So those 45 individuals performed twice. The experts, probably straightforward for our listeners, that they would have had a rating scale and provided that impression. The AI was trained to use the same rating scale? So the expert-based rating was this classical, where we had developed from this previous Delphi study an assessment tool 
where the experts ranked the performances. There were a number of items and they ranked them from one to five. Mm-hmm. And then what the AI did was that it first it analyzed all the images for each performance. Mm-hmm. And then that generated a very abstract score. Mm-hmm. And then we used principal component analysis to weight and to do the k-means grouping, defining if the performance was an expert performance or a novice performance and could generate a score through the k-means grouping. Yeah. And that was the AI score. So no, they did not use the same ranking. They differed in that. Right. Okay. But then you were still able to look at how reproducible the scores were and whether or not they were scored in a way that aligned with their actual expertise. Yes, when it came to reproducibility, I mean, we could do the test retest for both the experts and the AI, but we could not do, as for the expert, we did the iterator reliability, for example, but to see how robust the AI model was, we could not <laughs> obviously not do that. So what we did was that we tested our model on a new test setup. And I had for a different project collected several hundred videos of performances where the setup was slightly different, but it was still the same phantom that we used, but it was slightly different. And that's how we tested the robustness of the AI model. We tested yeah. on a different setup. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was the result? You mentioned at the start that there was, uh, yeah, to be yeah unbridled unfortunately, and, and that was a very important finding. I think that the robustness was very poor of our model. And I think that is a very important aspect of AI because an AI model is never better than the data used to train the model with. So if you have a small sample, then the robustness would be less than if you have a large sample. AI often require large data sets. Mm-hmm. And small changes that for an expert is with our phantom, if the placental position changes, that would not affect the expert ability to rate that performance. But for the AI, that makes a really big difference. Well, and considering all the different aspects of validity that you examined, what did it do well relative to what aspects need further development in order to try to improve the so, AI? So I think both the AI and the expert could differ between different levels of expertise. So if we just want to differ between different levels of expertise, the AI actually did well in this specific test setup. But I think what was illustrated well in our paper was the construct representation. If you look at the expert, it is they reached out wide. They could look at items such as the communication. They could see details from the initial ultrasound examinations. They could follow the whole procedure and have a more holistic approach to the assessment. And while when we looked at the AI, it was much more narrowed to specific technical skills. As I also explain when we developed the AI model, it is technology that is a bit limited today, at least. I mean, we don't know what the future will offer, but today it is difficult to build models for more complex skills that has a larger variation, such as when you do ultrasound movements, there are so many different possibilities but when it comes to needle in or out of the image, it's easier for an AI to, to learn that. 
So that I think the construct underrepresentation of the AI was an important finding because it says something of when we should use the AI and when not to use the AI and how it can support maybe the expert and sometimes replace if we're just focusing on specific technical skills in this case. Yeah, that seems like a very important way of nuancing, as you said, the mm. conversations about AI is to stop treating it as an all or none replacement, but to think about what it can do well and how that might complement mm. human ratings. And so you, you mentioned the future as your PhD has completed and you've, you've mm. been able to, to conduct this work. Uh, what do you think the most promising pathways are in terms of how one might continue to develop these tools in order to lead us to a better assessment place in the future? Well, I think that AI has a great potential when we want to measure specific targeted skills. And that could be in the simulation-based context where you practice and you have to repeat and you just practice, practice. You can get instant feedback. You don't need the presence of an expert. That is a promising area for the AI. But we always have to remember that it is limited to these technical skills. You have to remember what the intended use of the assessment is it's not the full procedure you are evaluating it is limited to the technical skills in our case but that is also an area where we see that the ai is used because we have a lot of simulators that generate computerized feedback i think one limitation to this feedback that is generated from an ai is that it's one or zero it passed or fail and it doesn't really give clues to the trainee or the learner, how the learner can change his or her performance to obtain a better score. And I think that is an area where we have to think how we can improve the feedback from the AI. Because now it is good at evaluating pass-fail, but it's not very good at providing useful feedback. Right. So that does offer a very promising direction for future. And in, mm. in fact, as you described that, you reminded me that you know, sometimes you know, thinking about how can new technologies or new tools be developed is often beneficial for the sake of reminding us of best practices with the tools that we already have mm. and thinking very carefully about even with the experts, what can they do well and what is the actual purpose that we're putting these mm. things towards when we're talking about validity and assessment. I'll Thank you for sharing your insights with us. And as always, we'll direct listeners to the paper for more details. Vilma Johnson is the author, and you'll find her work in the January 2024 issue of Medical Education under the title Validity Evidence Supporting Clinical Skills Assessment by AI Compared with Trained Clinician Raters. Thanks again, Vilma, for not just your insights, but also for sharing them with me. And I uh, look forward to seeing what comes next post doctorate from you. <laughs> Thank you so much.